In this week's episode, we take our time covering the details and nuances of the Marvel-Sony-Spider-Man conflict, and then share our comic picks about celebrities, killers, and cats. It's all happening now on Cover Your Beat. What up, everybody? How's it going? Welcome back to Cover B. Cover B, morning edition. Yeah, morning. We had some technical difficulties, but we got it figured out. Yes. We worked it out. We're awesome. And we love you. Essentially, we deleted it and we're re recording. Kind of what we're doing. I mean, there's that. So. But we're doing it because we love you. See, the same thing still stands. <laughs> Anyways, so this is going to be kind of a concise. Uh, episode we're gonna be quick quick and not wordy quick like bunnies um we did want to talk about the whole spider-man situation that's going on right now yes uh, which that's important to mention and horrible and i'm over it <laughs> so if you guys don't know what's going on uh we posted a really cool article from hollywood reporter that does a lot of kind of summarizing the situation a lot of pulling from different quotes and different insider quote-unquote reports um so check that one out i think we posted it on twitter um we did that's really cool but it's getting out of hand it's getting really really crazy uh stanley's daughter has even jumped into the ring and dragged her poor father's dead body into it which was completely um, unnecessary. It was a bit crass. It was a bit there's, there's just, so. there's no reason to pull someone in when he, he can't speak for himself. Yeah, he can't voice his own opinion. So, for those who don't know what's happening, um, so Marvel and uh, Sony have recently divorced on the subject of Spider-Man. Um, so Spider-Man is no longer going to be a marvel produced thing so the solo spider movies no longer gonna have that kevin feige flair um no longer going to have marvel production on it they um, have ripped poor little pd tangles out of the mcu savage that they have <laughs> um so there's a lot of conjecture over what's going on with this um People are saying everything from, you know, the initial reports, like when it first happened, uh, everyone pretty much jumped down Sony's throat and a big like hashtag save Spider-Man started. Even like celebrities came out like Jeremy Renner, I think was the first one that was like, hey, Sony, we want our Spider-Man back. Everyone just started blaming Sony, um, saying that, you know, the, one of the earliest rumors was that Disney wanted a 30% stake. In Spider-Man stuff, and Sony was like, "No," and wasn't willing to renegotiate, and didn't counteroffer, and just kind of walked. Later on, Sony came out and said, "Hey, you know, this is getting really misconstrued in the media." Uh, Marvel essentially just said that Kevin Feige was too busy. Uh, now that they've got a lot of new IP to work with, and they didn't even come to the table, they didn't even come to negotiate. They just told him and said bye um who knows <laughs> honestly there's even like people talking about that it was just over literally production uh like credits like who gets to be a producer on these movies uh, there were people talking about how it was 
you know, just negotiation tactics. There's people talking about how it was tax related. So who knows? We haven't had a report from, as of now, we haven't had a report from Marvel or Kevin Feige themselves. Yeah, everything's just been hearsay. Yeah, it's only been, you know, quote unquote, these quote unquote insiders. And then Sony actually did a, did a tweet, I believe, about it. Um, Which you know. can't really be that descriptive in a tweet. Yeah. Uh, but they were so far they're the only ones actively involved that have come out and said like this is what happened and honestly at the end of the day i'm a little bit more personally for me i'm a little bit more inclined to believe sony Um, i'm not particularly siding with sony i think at the end of the day both parties need to figure it out and just make it work Um, and if that means not having you know kevin feige on solo spider movies but still having spider-man like in the marvel universe like having it connected um then that's good because right now sony doesn't have anywhere to put spider-man if they were to take him away from the mcu it's true they haven't developed their universe yet they have one movie they have more movies on the way but they don't have like this solid fresh organic universe to put spider-man in um so if they pull him you know from the marvel universe they have two options either let him exist in a vacuum or start just like shoehorning him into this universe they're developing that is still new hasn't been established doesn't really know its tone and honestly is very different um in feel so far if you look at the one example we have which is the venom movie um like what are you gonna do just like Aunt May needs to move across country for yeah. work, and Gotta so now they live in San Francisco. Move it to San Francisco, like it, it. The cinematography is different. Like the way they're yeah. visualized is entirely different. Yeah. There's no consistency there. Um. So anyway, there's a lot of stuff happening with that. Uh, check it out. Like I said, that that article that we posted, um, because it's the best summary of all of that nonsense. Um, and hopefully, Sony and Marvel will figure it out. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it develops if fan outcry has any sort of play in this. But, I mean, the fanship's being kind of douchebags over it because they're immediately jumping down Sony's throat at just taking Disney and Marvel's side immediately without any details. So don't be that guy. Don't be the person that, like... Assumes. Yeah, wait until we have, have the information. Like, don't just jump on, like, F Sony, man. And there's tons of memes going on and... They're hilarious. We've been sharing a ton of them. We've shared a bunch, (laughs) and they're funny, uh, but a lot of them do tend to attack Sony. Um, It's just not cool. I mean, you know, they're just corporations. You can attack who you want, like, F them. But we don't totally know the whole story. We don't know if Marvel's at fault here. It could come out that Marvel, like I said, I'm more inclined to believe Sony. The whole, like, just pulling Kevin Feige because they'd rather use him on stuff that they own and not use his efforts on stuff that they do not uh you know that sounds very marvel yeah as as a child of divorce my theory is that marvel wants more money marvel and disney and disney being disney thinks they can get whatever they want at any time because they just own everything meanwhile sony did into the spider-verse and Venom, both of which made gobs of gobs of money, and Into the Spider-Verse won a freaking Oscar, and so they're under the assumption that they don't need Marvel anymore, that they don't need Disney, that they can do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Well, look here, guys. 
from experience, you don't have to like each other. You don't have to enjoy being in the same room as each other. You don't have to be friends, but you have to get your shit together and you have to make it work. Yeah. Like, it doesn't benefit anybody to make the separation now. Yeah. It hurts Marvel because Marvel had easily established a majority of the MCU to be centered around Spider-Man. We had just had an episode talking about how, you know, they had essentially positioned the next phase to be about Spidey. Yep. So you can't introduce that and then leave a cliffhanger that you can physically never resolve. And then, admittedly, I mean, sorry, Sony, but Into the Spider-Verse was great. It was a cartoon. All of your other movies have been freaking panned, dude. Like, it, yeah. there's Venom made a lot of money, but a lot of that was because the marketing in China was amazing. Well, and um, it's Venom. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's the name recognition of the character. Right, right. Know? People love that character. And whether they liked the movie or not, they were going to go see it. Whether their friends said it was bad or not, they were going to go see it. Mm-hmm. But if you keep screwing up the character or, or the making the story not good, it's not going to continue successfully. There's yeah. just no way. So they need to just hike up their big boy pants and make this work because it's going to hurt both studios. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is... 100% mutually beneficial for them to continue to split this character. Oh, 100%. Um, if you look at it, you know, Infinity War and Endgame made billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, Endgame being now the highest grossing film ever, which, you know, Marvel did some sneaky tactics to get that with all their, like, re-releases and extended cuts. Um, Two extra scenes. Woo-hoo. Which Sony's doing. I just saw a thing where they're gonna do oh, really? an extended cut of far from home oh my god um, <laughs> to try to just keep it in theaters it's it's dumb and i hope that's a trend that dies out quick because it's that's the dumbest fucking thing um that's that dc studio <laughs> cut crap maybe, don't be going down that road maybe i'm just bitter because it's early um <laughs> if i don't sound like my jovial self it's because it's morning and i hate it um but yeah, so, you know, Endgame is, like, one of the highest grossing films. And, you know, Spider-Man's role in that, while minimal, cannot be overlooked. No. And then when you look at those two movies making the amount of money they did, and then the fact that Far From Home was the first Spider-Man movie to cross the billion-dollar mark, um, you know, that has to be due to its can the fact that it was a continuation of Endgame, the fact that it had that Kevin Feige flair, that MCU flair to it, it was connected to these stories of all these characters. Nick Fury. It had Iron Man references. It had Nick Fury, Maria Hill, the Skrull. Um, you know, it was the end of that phase and kind of the setup for the next phase. Uh, so it had all these elements that were drawing interest from the MCU that really took it over, you know, you can't cannot be overlooked as reasons it made it over that billion dollar mark and when you look at it when you look at all of sony's spider-man adventures um over the past 20 years um i believe it's like the two mcu ones so far from home and homecoming make up about a third of their money that they've made yeah right um from all their spider-man ip over the last like 20 years 
Oh God. Which is I don't know if that includes like video games. I'm assuming that's just movies. But you're talking three Sam Raimi movies, two Andrew Garfield, Amazing Spider-Man movies, and Into the Spider-Verse, and then these two MCU um, things. So that's like eight movies or so. Um, and this makes a third of that. That's insane. So two movies makes up a third of that. That's intense. And, you know, you have to accept that that's because of its connection to the MCU. Oh, absolutely. So it is beneficial for both parties to continue to try to work it out. And I honestly think Sony can do it without... I, I think Sony can do it without Kevin Feige. But I'm worried about Sony being able to do it if there's a schism between Spider-Man and the MCU. I agree. You know? I agree. Like, without being included in those stories, without being shared by these companies, um, Spider-Man popping up in whatever group movie... Which right now, there's not, if you look at the roster, there's not a good movie for Spider-Man to pop up in, so who knows. Um, but, you know, without him sharing this universe and, you know, being, ice, like, if he does end up being isolated, I don't know if it'll be as good. And I'm worried that that's going to result in another relaunch, another casting, another, Ugh. you know, and we're just going to go through this thing. And that, the reality that you have to accept is that you know, if this goes through and Spider-Man gets separated and the movies kind of just falter and die Fizzle. out, you know, what's crazy to think is that in the history books, <laughs> like, the history of this character, who is one of the most recognizable super people, I believe, I don't know if he still is, but, like, a few years back, he was literally the most recognizable superhero over in the world. Over Batman. Over Superman, over Batman, over, you know... The MCU guys like Iron Man, Captain America. Again, I don't know if that's changed. I think this was a statistic I heard about in like 2016 or something. Um, but Spider Man was the globally most recognizable yep. super person. Yep. Um, everyone, I don't know how they did it. I'm assuming they showed people a bunch of pictures and asked them the superhero's name. And Spider Man just blew everybody out of the water. Yep. So it's crazy that this super recognizable, super relatable, super loved, much beloved character has such a marred movie history it just you know it's to the point of abuse yeah like you know you got sony buying the rights doing three movies deciding they're not going to do a fourth one doing a relaunch so we've got another spider-man coming in two forgettable movies yeah and then this huge fanfare when he returns home quote-unquote to marvel belongs to marvel again and then the schism you know this will be seen as this like scar on spider-man's movie history oh. as he was on the rise and then got taken away snatched away or honestly like i said i'm more siding with sony's narrative right away. Now, um just shoved away by marvel um and back into sony territory to hopefully succeed hopefully continue growing and continue being awesome but if it doesn't work, then that's just going to be this massive, like, facial scar on on this character. And well, it's just bizarre. Well, it's odd to think that that's going to be the history. And another thing to consider that is scary is that Tom's only signed on for one more movie. Yep. They're using a new director because the old yep. director was only signed on for two, two. And then Tom's only signed on for one. And you know that if he goes over to Sony and Sony doesn't produce the movie that's going to 
represent the character the way he wants to, he'll just bounce. Yep. And with as sneaky and weird as Disney can be, I mean, who knows if they're able to make a new character in the MCU and throw him in. But I think it'll be interesting to see what he has to say because he has to be um, showing up at the Keystone Comic Con today, tomorrow, this weekend. And I think that sucks. I feel like that poor boy should just like, (laughs) I'm sick. And don't go. Just Just like, like, no, I'm sorry. I couldn't attend. Or like show up, never take off a Spider-Man mask and just pretend he's a cosplayer. Like, I made an appearance. You just didn't see me, huh? Dude's so funny, though, that I feel like he'll handle it well. He's a a funny dude. It's true. Um, Okay, so let's talk comics. Yes. Now that we've covered all that again, let's talk. <laughs> um, so I'll open up with the big dog of the week, uh, Powers of X number three. So the whole House of X, Powers of X train continues to roll. Um, and they've been doing House Powers, House Powers, and now they're going Powers House. So it's confused a lot of people. That confuses um, me. A lot of people are like, Where's the House of X3? <laughs> uh, but that's, that's next week. Powers of X3 is this week. Why? Um, that's so weird. It establishes kind of an interesting thing. Um, so as, as I explained in the first bit of Powers of X, you know, it's made up of these four different sections of time. So it's X0 was when Moira McTaggart first met or... Uh, I think it was when Moira, yeah, it was when Moira first met Professor Xavier and was like, hey, here's all this stuff in my brain. Um, X1 is 10 years later when they've gotten the ball rolling on House of X. So they're like, Moira's 10th life, we learned, you know, that Moira has these reincarnation powers where she retains all her memories uh, because Jonathan Hickman really liked the novel that he stole that idea from. Um, <laughs> it happened. And, you know, she shared this these memories with Charles and was like, hey, let's make this work. And they're going on to hopefully make, like, the perfect X-Men life. Um, and then X-100 is 100 years in the future. Nimrod, the, like, ultimate sentinel, has led this massive robot army conquered a bunch of places it's in this like super heated war between the very few remaining mutants it's like a dozen max um i think it's actually like seven maybe ten might be ten because of whole numbers of ten um but i want to say it's like seven uh at the time when we meet him and the humans as well are also fighting and the robots are just trying to wipe everybody out and take over. And then X3 is a thousand years in the future and that is where that Nimrod's whole conquering thing succeeded. Right. What we had assumed, what it had been kind of set up for us to assume is that these all are stages of the same timeline. So we know, yeah, we know that Moira rebirths. So this is like, hey, this is this tenth life of hers that we're on. It doesn't work out. 
here's what happens, right. you know? Um, that is not true. This book shows that X2 and presumably X3, because those two seem to be very related. Right. Because um, they both have Nimrod in them and they both seem sequential. Um, are actually part of her ninth life, which is the life, if you remember me mentioning. Oh, yeah. From House of X2, where she. Uh, was it House of X2? Or was it? No, it was Powers. No, I think it was House. Was it House? It was House. It was House 2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was House 2. Um, where she goes through all her lives, which, fun thing, it just got pointed out to me, and I didn't notice it the first time I read it. Her sixth life, not mentioned. What? Not on the timeline, not mentioned. It happens because she goes from talking about her fifth life to her seventh. Sixth life, not mentioned. Oh, that's weird. Which is really interesting. Um, I hope that comes into play because that's a good mystery to have there. Uh, wow, but anyway, so life life nine was when she woke up Apocalypse. She was kind of like, fuck this, I'm done. <laughs> woke up Apocalypse. Over it. Killed Charles. Killed Magneto. Blasted away like all the Humies. And ran this like apocalypse empire. Apocalyptic utopia. When it put all the timelines on this, you know, all the lives on this one big timeline, that was the one that went off the page. Right. And never really resolved. Right. So this is the resolution of that one. And they actually finish up this issue showing you that timeline again, but taking it further to show that she made it like, you know, 150 some odd years into the future, gets woken up from stasis and then killed so that she can go back in time to deliver recon, essentially. to the So it's officially, it establishes, it does two things. One, it establishes that the mission going forward for House of X, at least, um, is going to be to make sure Nimrod does not happen. Okay. Um, yeah. Don't wake him up. Don't don't make him. Make don't, sure he does not happen. Do that. That's the goal. Uh, and then what it kind of does that I'm wor- I'm worried that it does. I I don't know that it does this. There might still be stuff to pull out because we're on the third issue of one of those, second issue of the other. Okay. So we're we're five issues into this twelve issue run. Good not even halfway. And honestly, if we establish that X2, or I mean X3, yeah, X2 and X3, so the 100 years and 1,000 years timelines, right. are part of her restart, essentially, then they don't really exist anymore. Oh, that's confusing. So does that completely devalue the Power of X book? Power of 10 books. You no, know what I mean? Maybe. Because, like, if the next Powers of Ten comes out, Powers of Ten Four, and we're looking at, like, Nimrod ruling the world and, like, the super future, the thousand year future where the robots, you know, manage to summon this, like, weird galactic AI that comes in and is like, we are here to consume you or whatever. I don't know what the whole goal there is. <laughs> um,. But, like, that's how Powers of X2 ended with this, like, super AI showing up. And uh, does any of that actually happen? Does it actually matter? Maybe they're going to you know? switch it. Like, maybe maybe it's going to transition suddenly from, yeah. like, the current timeline to the next timeline. Yeah. 
It would be like watching Shutter Island and about like 20 minutes in, they're like, you know, you're the crazy guy, right? <laughs> We're all actors. Hashtag spoiler. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, take that, people who haven't seen Shutter Island. <laughs> if you haven't seen Shutter Island, what are you doing with your life? That movie's been on FX a lot. That is true. Like, anyway, come on, man. House of X, Powers of X stuff is still really good, and you need to check it out. Um, House of X 2, Powers of X 2 is, and maybe Powers of X 3 for a lot of places. It's going to be really hard to get your hands on because a lot of people are selling out of it. Mm -hmm. But there will be second prints, third prints, fourth prints, fifth prints. Trades. Seventh prints, tenth (laughs) prints, uh, comics formerly known as prints. There will be a lot of those available, uh, so just check for those. Uh, but definitely get in on this because it's it's gonna be cool. It is very cool. cool read. So I technically didn't read a Marvel book. Mm, or okay, no, let me rephrase that. I didn't read a Marvel comic book. I read a Marvel IP. It's very confusing. So IDW does these little series called Marvel Action, Marvel and they Action. they're essentially like kiddie-ish versions of um, the Marvel characters. And this week. I don't typically read the Marvel actions. I've heard great things about the Marvel action books. I've heard mm. they're very good. Well, this week, they put out one for Captain Marvel. And, again, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll check it out. But the real reason why I wanted to get it was because it's an adorable cover with Goose on the front. Woo, Goose. If you don't remember who Goose is, Goose, if you've seen a Captain Marvel movie, Goose is the cat who's not actually a cat. He's a flurkin. Holy flurk. So, oh, Jesus. Flurkins are cat-like things that look like cats and act like cats and behave mm-hmm. like cats, mm-hmm. except they have giant Cthulhu monsters in their mouth with tentacles, and they eat people. So they're, like, slightly more approachable than a real cat. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Probably less violent. Um, but they – so I was reading this book being like, okay, well, I like Goose, so let's do this. Maybe it's just a cute cover. No, the whole dang book is about Flurkins, you guys. Flurkins are overrunning New York, and they're trying to figure out why. And essentially, Flurkins, if you don't know, are endangered species. They're an endangered alien species. Alien race? Race. Yeah, I mean, race. They're kind of, like, smart, right? They're, like, sentient. Are they sentient? I don't know. I thought they were. I mean, if they're able to run an invasion, then... Yeah, I, I get. Well, but I don't know if it's their fault. We don't know if it's their fault. Right now, all we know is that Flurkin showed up, and instead of being adorable and nice, they're kind of being buttholes and yep. eating people out of bodegas. Sounds good. So, <laughs> but it's adorable. The art is really cute. Um, it's definitely lighthearted, and, you know, for a younger audience, or if you have a younger reader, this would be a really good choice. Um... But it's just, it's adorable. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. Stampede's of Flurkins. Go read this book. It's, it's cute. It's flurkin' great. It, it is flurkin' great. <laughs> that really sounds like something a Scottish person would know. It really does. It's flurkin' great. <laughs> Don't even talk to me until I've had my flurkin' coffee. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that you read that because we haven't really had a good chance to talk about the Marvel action stuff. Yeah. But I've always heard really good things about it. And there's four different titles going on right now. And I think the Captain Marvel one's just going to be short. I think it's going to be like a three-issue run. It's um, real cute. But there's a Spider-Man one. There's a Black Panther one. There's an Avengers one. There's a Captain Marvel one. Um, and I'm sure they'll have more going. But I've always talked to people that like 
I've talked to, you know, adults that buy them for themselves. I've talked to adults that buy them for their kids and, like, teenagers that buy them and read them. And I've heard literally nothing but good things about all of them. About how fun they are, how much the kids like them, how, you know, they're just lighthearted kind of... It's like... It's like a good superhero cartoon. Yeah, you know, that's an absolutely great. It's way not to like overly it. bleak and dark. It's fun. It's meant to be fun and exciting and action packed, um, and it's good for young readers. Well, so. and the voicing feels very consistent too, which is nice. Like it still feels like Captain Marvel. Yeah. And I gotta say, it's nice to have a lighthearted, happy Captain Marvel, considering they just announced that Kelly's gonna make Captain Marvel like dark Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Which. Like, I will be the judge of whether that was acceptable or not. Thank you very much. A lot of weird stuff happening with Captain Marvel, but... Yeah. Um, so cool. Check out Marvel Action, Captain Cap Marvel. Marvel Check one. out Marvel Action, all the others. If you got a little Bambino that wants to... Or Bambini. I don't know if that's the female version of Bambini. Is that... That's what I'm saying. That might be plural. If you got little Bambinis... Um, <laughs> Bambini? Check out, check out the Marvel Action stuff couple other marvel things i just wanted to mention real quick um that are worth picking up this week so marvel comics presents number eight is out if you don't know what marvel comics presents is it's kind of an anthology type series that marvel used to do back in the past the way they're doing it now is that it's divided up between uh like three stories uh one is a consistent story featuring wolverine so who the fuck cares um <laughs> The second one apparently is focused on being uh, taking like a superhero and putting them against a kind of real world topical subject. Um, and then the third story, I believe, is focusing on like less focused on heroes or maybe like newer heroes. I'm not sure. I don't remember specific. They give you kind of a breakdown of like, here's what this section's about. Um so in this one, story number one, like I said, is the continuing adventures of Wolverine meeting his daughter that he was estranged from or maybe didn't know about. Uh, her name is who the fuck cares? Um, <laughs> the second story is uh, about Spider-Woman uh, dealing with like fake news and like social media problems. Okay. Um, so essentially this woman gets pegged as it's like Spider-Man or Spider-Woman's identity revealed and it's just some like poor lady and she How gets very like, Reddit of them. Yeah, she gets like attacked. Yeah, it's very much like when Reddit thought they found the Boston bomber uh, and they were wrong. Don't be doing that. You shouldn't believe Reddit. They're not detectives. No, That's they're a, not song i made i really liked it it was good yeah uh, and it, it had a message and then the last one which was my favorite was about white fox who That's is cool. south korean superhero has never really had her own solo thing she's always been kind of a side character yeah teen character she was in hot shots recently she's in hot shots um, i think she made an appearance in agents of atlas as well cool and uh yeah i think so and it was really cool it was short but it had good art. The character was good and fun. The voicing was good. There was like elements of South Korean folklore there. Oh, that's dope. Um, you know, it was it was fun. It was sexy. It was you know, it had a lot going for it. I'd really like to see more of this character kind of being her own thing. And it's you know, it just reminded me of what you talked about when you talked about the Agents of Atlas stuff about how it's cool to see these different world elements 
put yeah. into these heroes. Different folklores and different kind of cultures put into these heroes because there's so much folklore around the world that you could pull in. And that's oh, yeah. such a, like, mythology and folklore are great sources for super people. Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, it worked for Thor. It worked for, you know, Hercules and all them on DC. You know, it worked for Wonder Woman. All the Themyscira people. I don't know, Martian Manhunter or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we don't know about Martian folklore. Yeah, I mean. TBH. Could, yeah, could be. Could it be. It could be incredibly accurate. Challenge me. <laughs> Come at us, DM bro. me, bro. <laughs> uh, the other one I wanted to talk about is Deadpool Annual Number 1. Hold on, I gotta get some coffee. Uh, Deadpool Annual Number One. It's part of the whole Acts of Evil stuff. Um, you know, Marvel's Year of the Villain. And I was gonna say that's a little, that's a little similar. It was, it was fun. It was a fun book. I, I know I'm always like, anytime I mention a Deadpool book, I'm always like, look, I'm not a Deadpool fan. But then I mention a Deadpool book like every other episode. So methinks doth protest too much. What are you gonna do? Anyway, I think Deadpool, <laughs> Deadpool much like. What I say about Gwynpool is the type of character that could be utilized very well, but often isn't. Right. Um, this one utilized him really well. It gave us the Deadpool that I like. The Deadpool that's, like, goofy and irreverent, but then is very emotional when he needs to be. That's and cool. you realize that his, like, goofiness, his irreverence, his, you know, erratic behavior and his, you know, vulgar stuff is just him coping essentially him right. just being him but deep down he really like seriously gives a shit um I love that. and this one got this and i gotta say dana schwartz who wrote this if they were to do like a full-on deadpool thing like just a continuing deadpool saga i'd read the shit out of it it was really good that's really they cool. did a good job writing deadpool and if you need an elevator pitch to uh buy this issue uh, Deadpool at one point beats the crap out of a child molester and then demands $7 from the kid. <laughs> oh, Deadpool. What are you doing? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, it's worth picking up. It was nice. it was really fun. Awesome. So, I'm out of Marvel, so I'm going to switch it over, but I'm going to keep a theme in that... Oh, boy. I had an indie book this week about cat. About cat. About cat. About cat. So there's a new title uh, mm -hmm. called Strayed Number One. Nice. And it's like a sci-fi flick, and it was delightful. Um, essentially, quick summary: there's a woman who's a scientist who creates a device that allows her to communicate with her cat, Neat. who's precious. And the in, in communicating with the cat, she discovers that the cat can actually astral project anywhere across the universe. Dope. And the government sniffs out this information and finds it to be incredibly useful so lady and cat are taken to secret government facility in the middle of nowhere and forced to make cat astral project all over the universe trying to find new places to colonize destroy and reap all of their resources which super. is super super awful um yeah. i love the art in this book I love the voicing in this book, and I am obsessed with the cat in this book. <laughs> they made the cat, so the cat is very smart, like it's very intelligent, yeah, yeah. but it speaks the way you would expect a cat to speak. Like, 
at one point she goes over to the door and the cat's on the other side and she's not able to get in because it's locked because government people are being douchebags and kitty on the other side's like please in come in miss you want to see you and you're like my soul is bleeding it sounds like a kind of sounds like how they voice dexter oh god Guys, I get really emotional about Dexter. He just wants to be a good kitty. He's just a good kitty. Ah! Or it's it's kind of a levity too. Yeah, I dump your ass. I dump your ass. <laughs> exactly. It's like that's smart enough to comprehend language, but no one sat down to teach them like conjugation and stuff. They just yeah. taught them words. They just understand you know? how to express themselves that's in a what bare it, minimalist that's way. That's what I like about how they wrote Eleven in Stranger Things because like Hop wouldn't take the time to like break down language. No. You know what I mean? He would just be like, here's some words. Yeah. Here's how you say these things. You know, she exactly. isn't necessarily getting the best. Oh, jeez. Isn't necessarily. <laughs> Forget that happened. <laughs> It's the morning. I have alarms. Um, That's how early we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, he wouldn't necessarily... She wouldn't have the best source of grammar. No. But she gets words. Yeah, of course. Know, she so. can accurately express themselves. Like, for instance, the cat goes and astral projects at one point and is, like, looking for resources because they're demanding more... more a new, a new planet to obliterate. And... The cat, like, goes around looking at planets and it's like, no, this one, too civilized. And no, this one, not right. This one, too cold. And then finally finds one he's like, this one, just right. She'll like this one. This one's good. This makes her happy. And you're like, oh my god, my heart, the kitty just wants to make Master happy. And it just, I, I really, I really need this book to provide that moment where, like, anxious cat owner who just wants to take kitty home which they looked at her and said no you can't take kitty home you can't leave because if you leave we're going to decide that you're disposable and slaughter you (laughs) but like as a cat owner i have three cats they're all handy capable and adorable yep you can see them on chris's instagram um true all all she wants is to like save this cat and all i need in this book is to have the moment where the big stupid general of the government militia is like and dead and cat poop and cat has slaughtered you in your sleep or something like that it'd be nice. good i don't know yeah, it'd be good it it's a cute book it's a good book i'm enjoying it it's emotional go pick it up you know a sentient cat that can astral project anywhere in the galaxy would be quite useful Oh, yeah? Our cats have a similar ability. Do they? They do. Except instead of astral projecting, they have the ability to vomit anywhere. (laughs) That's not untrue. On the caveat, (laughs) with the caveat that that place that they are vomiting is the exact spot I would like to not have vomit. That is, yeah. Oh, hey, are you hanging up these pictures in your room? (laughs) (laughs) That didn't happen last week. Oh, hey, did you just get this new light gray rug? Okay, yeah, that also happened. I could, I could buy, <laughs> I could buy a pair of expensive shoes and be like, I can't take these home and store them in a concrete box deep within the Arctic. And when I went to find those bad boys, there would be crystallized Trinity bomb <laughs> woven into the laces. <laughs> Um, 
but she's a little she's like a kitty she's so cute she's adorable she's a little demon though but she knows how to vomit like the best though. she does she's got a mystical power um, on the on the more indie side of life, I read a couple that were pretty good. Nothing really like knocked me out of my underwear. Um, <laughs> which which is weird. I don't know how you read comics, but <laughs> I like to get comfortable. Uh, one was called Pretty Violent from Image, uh, written by Derek Hunter and Jason Young. Art by Derek Hunter and colors by Spencer Holt. Uh, this one was pretty cool. It played out. It was very, if you read I Hate Fairyland, it had that same kind of feel uh, to it. Played out like a super gory Nickelodeon cartoon with like a bunch of vulgar language. That's delightful. It literally, like, this this bitch just fucking starts. Like, it, just like, <laughs> you just you're, you're in it. And like people are dying and there's intestines everywhere and stuff. And, um,. It's got a nice little twist at the end. Like, we find out more detail about the main character. But it essentially opens with this chick who's super strong, super powerful, and is trying to be a superhero. Nobody knows who she is. She seems to be brand new. um, And she's doing a terrible job at it. (laughs) And, you know, you find out, like I said, more information about her at the end. It was cool. Um, Like I said, it plays out. It's got a very Nickelodeon cartoon feel to it. Like it, awesome. it just really does. Like it, there were moments where like stuff was said or interactions happened that I was like, oh, okay, that, that feels very Nickelodeon. I get it's that. got like a little special mini story at the end, so it's it's worth picking up if that's kind of your your speed of stuff. Like your very shtick. very kind of like you know irreverent cartoon stuff. Uh, it was pretty pretty good. I also read uh, Bad Reception Number One from Aftershock. Uh, this one is written arted lettered colored uh blessed under the sanctity of the lord by wando <laughs> um he's actually the guy who did the art for strayed it's so wando. pretty and as you were talking about that i was actually thinking i don't know if he had any sort of like creative element in strayed but he actually has a book from aftershock that he did the art for uh called world reader that seems very similar to oh. to strayed so it's worth looking into I'll have to look into that one uh, but he did the art for world reader he did the art for another aftershock book i really like called uh dark arc which i believe is a colin bunn book oh yeah yeah, um, yeah that's about like an evil noah's ark so like when noah's noah's ark happened there was also like satan set up his own ark for all the like vampires and shit Oh, and had this, like, dope. dark wizard run it and, like, feed humans to the monsters and stuff. Cullen Bunn loves him some dark shit. <laughs> it was cool. And that's coming back soon, so I'm really excited. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about bad reception. Well, the premise of which is that this celebrity couple is having a wedding. They're banning cell phones from their wedding. Uh, so, hence, bad reception. It's probably the worst. Right. Get it. Um, and then murders are going to happen. It's going to be, like, a slasher thing. Okay, that sounds like they came up with a title, and then they were like, this plot is a double entendre. Yeah, right? It's it's a cool, it's a cool, <laughs> cool con. There's so many entendres. Um, Entendring hard. Everywhere I look, entendres. <laughs> I was just trying to take a shower, and there were entendres everywhere. Um, I take another shower to get all the entendres off the my entendres body. Off. You ever take a shower and then you get out and you're like, oh no, I have to entendre. Is that just a... another word for cat hair? Yeah. <laughs> I'm 
Um, you feel like you need another shower because you had a large entendre. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> hello, listeners. <laughs> You're still here. <laughs> You probably want to hear about this comic we were talking about. Hmm. Uh, it's a bad reception. So it's a cool concept. I'm excited for because it feels very slasher movie, like B slasher movie. That's cool. And that's what drew me in. First issue was rough. Mm. First issue was kind of rough. It's full. I actually I don't usually read my notes verbatim, uh, but I really like what I wrote here, so I'm gonna read it. A tangled web of celebrity cliches and cringy dialogue. Ooh. Uh, it was. It was. The dialogue was very like, like Ooh. just kind of rough. Yeah. Um, at points, the characters were very much just archetypes of characters. Like, the the main couple is this dude that wrote a book about you know going off the grid, a some sort of like scientisty philosophy type talking head essentially okay um so like a non-acting james franco yeah any like any like famous self-help book writing type person you could you know cram into there there um he's marrying this like singer pop star that's also like an actor and does like you know has albums and has movies and has tours and has all these things okay so you're like your Beyonce type archetype. All right, fair enough. Other archetypes include like a celebrity chef that travels the world. Like they have to go find him in some village in like Indonesia or something. The Anthony um, Bourdain type. Yeah, and you know a Scottish MMA fighter with a bad reputation. Does he have to be Scottish? That's so. Yeah, he's super Scottish to the point where like every sentence he says is punctuated with a fucking. Oh my god. And I'm like, we get it, he's Scottish. Okay. <laughs> like, Good. I'll fucking be there. Great. <laughs> I wouldn't flirkin' miss it. <laughs> um, Would have been more believable. Flirkin'. Uh, you know, stuff like that. And there's like, you know, the actress that just couldn't make, like the kind of hometown actress that just couldn't really make it in the big time and just kind of like quit and stuff like that. And, um, so there's all these archetypes, and uh, it is what it is. It you know yeah. the the first issue is literally the just them introducing all the players. Like here's who's gonna be here. Yeah, the intro montage to Full House. Yeah, it's, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a sitcom opening where everyone just kind of like turns and like smiles and points or like does a oh you towards the camera. Thumbs you know? up. Yeah, yeah, it's Ugh. it's the Brady Bunch intro, Ugh. and um. But what was cool about it, I really liked the layout of the book. So it was done, it wasn't done in single pages. Okay. It was done, everything was double page. It cool. had three rows of, of uh, three rows of panels going across. Both right. Pages. The top two rows were this story of this celebrity couple jet setting to meet people and invite them to their wedding. Right. Why they couldn't just send paper invitations. Who knows? That's uh, <laughs> so last yeah. season. Let's go off the grid, but let's not write a fucking letter. Uh, <laughs> You're expecting them to know how to write. Let's, let's hop in our Learjet because we're <laughs> off the grid and we can't text people. That sounds good. Look at all this fucking jet fuel we're wasting. <laughs> we really give a shit about separating from technology, but let's hop in our fucking Learjet. 
The environment's important, you guys. Let's save a tree I'm, and not send invitations. I'm not bitter of how bizarre that concept was to set up. That's hilarious. Um, but anyway, the third panel at the bottom. So the top two panels are all very bright, very colorful. It's these people jet-setting to all these different cities across the world um, and doing weird, like, punked-style things to, like, run into these people. I don't know why so they don't weird. just, like, roll up. And like, ding dong, who is it? Oh, it's me, your friend, you know, the one you really like. And no, I want to invite you to my wedding. Can you let me in? No, at one point she literally dresses up like a pizza delivery person. Seriously? Because apparently this guy will only let pizza in. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't know why yeah. you just like, hey, it's sure. me, Mega Millions star person who you're really good friends with. I would like to invite you to my wedding. Why didn't they just like text everybody and then pick them up at like a central location and then like put phones into a bucket and leave them on the well that's the plan but the couple's already gone off quote unquote off the grid her assistant has not the assistant could have just texted everybody that's what i'm saying this is or send put a some sort of cylinder that has like some sort of chemical in it maybe like a dye or an ink and you take that and you put it against uh flattened wood pulp and it will stay on the pulp and then you can just fold the pulp up put it inside other pulp adhere it somehow either with some sort of glue or perhaps wax and then you take that same cylinder and you put the person's location their uh if only they had some sort of coded i don't know address or something and then you send the invitation (laughs) but no let's hop in our Learjets. They're bazillionaires. Going anyway, in the Learjet is a pure I'm getting, of pride. I'm getting distracted. Yeah. He's distracted me. He's he's derailed. Um, the rails are over there. The, we're over here in the The coffee's kicked in. Hasn't this been fun that you've gotten to listen to my coffee kick in? It's live. been an event. It's it's um, been, you can literally watch the progression of like well, super can't watch asleep it, it's radio. Okay. They've heard it. You know what I meant. Watch with your ears, plebes. Your special ears. In my bed. <laughs> so at the bottom of this page is, so you've got these two colorful things, them jet setting, doing weird shit. Um, odd concept, bizarre way of setting up the characters. That's happening on the top two rows. On the bottom row, it's darker and it's more slow paced. It's just, it's setting up the killer, I believe. Cool. And the, the bottom row is the one that eventually takes over. So the final splash page is in reference to what happens on the bottom row. Okay. And essentially it's just this dude hunting this deer, killing it, taking it back to his place, skinning it, slaughtering it, um, and then doing menacing stuff with the blood. That's creepy. And what I, what I like about it is it's two stories told simultaneously. Um, but the top story takes place easily over, like, <clears throat> weeks huh. you know what i mean for them to jet set to all everywhere these places and like have these like elaborate setups hike to out people. to this like remote place where this chef is and like hang out with this mma fighter for a night and like you know go here and go there um you know for them to do all these different things it had to take quite a bit of time maybe like a week if they went from like one person okay cool you're coming all right i gotta go and then like went right back to right the jet. right um but then at the bottom, it's like maybe an hour worth of time, huh? You know, that's and that's cool. just really cool. I've seen that's an books, interesting juxtaposition. I've seen books tell multiple stories at the same time, 
Like, Paper Girls did it in a recent issue where the girls were all spread out across different points in time. It was telling their story, but it was to be assumed that those stories were happening in Simultaneously, yeah. Like, even though they were happening at different points in time, they were happening... At the same time. Yeah, at the same time. Different points in the timeline, but at the same moment. If all of them were to start a stopwatch when they got transported to different points in time the stopwatches would line yeah. up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but this was, like, literally two different paces happening simultaneously. Cool. And I think it does a cool job of setting up, like, thematically setting up a killer because, you know, these celebrities, and especially with the whole, like, off-the-grid element, because he's obviously off-the-grid. He's, right. like, hunting and cutting up his own food and stuff. Right. And he obviously has some sort of problem with... You can tell by his menacing stuff that he had some sort of problem with both these people and possibly, like, phones and social media. Oh, okay. Um, Fair. So he's got some sort of issue there. Uh, And so I just think it's cool and sets up kind of the difference of the two worlds because this guy's just very slow-paced, very primal, very visceral, very dark. Right. um, Where they're very bright and, like, all over the place and bouncing all these different locations. So that was really thematically cool. So it's kind of a tough issue to get through. I am hoping I'm going to give it one more issue to yeah. really like get into its concept. No, I think that's fair. Because um, it was very much just a setup issue. Sometimes issues <laughs> are just like supremely set up and you got to just like truck through it. So if it sounds like if you're into slasher stuff like me, give this one a shot. Maybe wait until the second issue. Um, see where it goes. Because it is kind of a tough first issue to get through because it does have its low points. Fair. Um, but I really like what potentially is going to happen so fair i'm going to switch this over to dc Woo. um so two books this week from dc first one i'm not going to talk a whole lot about um you're the villain black mask number one mm-hmm. um which i believe is just one issue i think so yeah i think maybe? the it ends the... weird it ends like it should have a continuing but yeah. whatever um it's a black or a, a Batwoman story. Mm. Um, eventually, starts out essentially Black Mask gets a face changey thing from Lex Luthor. Mm. One of those like you saw it in one of the seasons of Shield where it's like one of those pieces of fabric you put, you put like it on your face, on your face, and, and it, it like changes. changes what you look like. Well, they did that. He goes to Atlanta and takes over a company and does all bad stuff. And Batwoman just happens to be in Atlanta because Gotham sucks, Batman's a douche. And yep, sounds right. They, her, Batwoman, Kate Kane, and Renee Montoya go to stop Black Mask. And that's Fair. pretty yeah. much it. Like, cool. that's pretty much, it. it's missable, admittedly. Like, I love, okay. I love, yeah. I love Batwoman, but like. The art's kind of weird. I don't, I'm not really a fan of the art style, admittedly. It's kind of yeah. ugly. I don't know. I'm just, I was, yeah, it was whatever. It was fine. It was fine. That's the word. It was fine. Fine. Yeah. But to wrap up, uh, this week was the last issue, or at least the concluding season issue of Pearl. Pearl number 12. Nice. Um, which is a Jinx World, Bendis, Bendis and Gatos. Um, this book was great. Like, the the whole Pearl series has been great. It perfectly fills that ruptured, bleeding, gaping hole left by him walking away from Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful, and it's weird. And, you know, Chris and I have both at different times discussed how sometimes Bendis' dialogue 
doesn't always work depending on the circumstance. Um, Chris has had asterisk check out cover B episode 40 tilde uh, referential Chris, you know, like they do in comics when they get the box. <laughs> okay, I got there. I was like, what the hell are you doing right now? But <laughs> I'm, I'm there what now. What sort of bit is this? What is this? But no, I'm there. I'm, I'm with doing you. one of yeah. those callback things. No, he's right. Then. He's Listen to him. He's right. He's right. Yeah. It took a minute, but they I, they he's right. Comics. Where they'll put like an asterisk and they'll put like a yellow box that's like, check out issue yeah. 47. Right, yeah. And that, that happens all the time. It was a good joke. He was right. Derek. I'm giving it to, yeah, Derek. Dick. Um, But it was, it was, it's just a good book. Like, you know, Chris has struggled with the way Bendis sounds in, like, Event Leviathan, and I've struggled with the way Bendis sounds in, um, what's the one with the chick, the new super? Naomi. Naomi. Yeah, sorry. I have a feeling every issue is a Hayley book. Um, I've struggled sometimes with the voicing in Naomi, but this one, it just works. Like, nice. this is the type of character he's supposed to be writing. The, it makes sense. It's this cool chick. She's a young adult. She, her mom dies, and now she gets to be an assassin and take over her mother's clan of the Yakuza. Like, Ooh, it's insane. Fun. And it's just her trying to figure this out and also try to, like, hang out with this boy that she likes and also try to, like... It's just a weird cast of characters and a weird plot, and the dialogue is weird, but everything just sort of fits. It's kind of what know. It's kind of what Brian Michael Bendis needs, though. I Like, I'm happy for him that he moved over to... <laughs> dc from marvel like that's that's cool that he gets to do all these like create our own things like the yeah. kids world stuff good for him that he might you know get to you know he gets to write batman stuff now and he gets to write superman stuff now but i just i've never felt like brian michael bendis exceeds when he writes like big hoity-toity super people uh-uh. i feel like you know the reason Miles Morales is as good as it is. The reason Ultimate Spider-Man was as good as it was. The Jessica reason Jessica Jones. Jones was as good as it was is because he does better with these very, like, down-to-earth, organic heroes. Yep. And not these heroes with, like, these big, lofty things going on. Um, and that's why, honestly, for me, it's been really bizarre le- reading Event Leviathan because I haven't read much Brian Michael Bendis recently. I've read a lot of his older stuff, but not a lot of his recent stuff. And it's just felt so disconnected from every other Batman thing that I've read. Yeah, no, that's um, fair. That's completely and it's just, fair. He's kind of writing Batman stupid. He's kind of <laughs> writing just like dumb Batman who doesn't really understand what's happening and uh, makes odd choices. But uh, everything you've ever told me about Pearl, I really wanted to become a TV show. Oh my god, so much. It seems like it would be so like much a, if you got like the right cinematographer on it. Like it seems like it, it yearns for like a very artfully shot TV show. Oh yeah. Oh you got, yeah. You got the whole foundation on like tattoos, so you yes. could like really play into that. Like it, it. Stuff like that. There was a movie we watched recently. I couldn't tell you what it's called, but it's on Netflix, and it was super trippy and weird. And it essentially centered around like an art gallery and a bunch of murders. Oh yeah, it was a velvet buzzsaw. Yeah, if yeah. they got the cinematographer from that, yeah, to do a show about Pearl, it would be the bees flipping knees, the flirking knees, man. The flirking. It would be awesome because that's the thing. Like Bendis has done so much with DC right now, and my two favorite pieces have been Cover 
and Pearl, both of which have been very low-key Jinx World titles, and they just scream to be put on the screen. They nice. absolutely do. So Pearl was great. It's wrapped up with issue 12. They're going to do a trade of it. If yep. you want to go pick that up, do so. You can probably find all the individual issues. I don't think it's sold out a whole lot. Yeah, um, probably not. So go check it out. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Bendis in in prime, primo Bendis, Bendis action. Nice. Cool. And I think that's it for me. That is it. Today. For this morning. This morning. Yeah. That is it. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Thank you for bearing with the kind of slow start to this episode. It was really frustrating finding out that we, we have a new recording set up, as you might be able to tell from the sound. I don't know how it will sound. Uh, and we're recording into, this is kind of behind the curtain stuff, but we're recording into Audition instead of Audacity. Audacity, because it gives us a little bit more versatile, versatility and we finally sprung, finally sprung for Creative Suite. Um, and it just, a setting was off. It last night when we recorded, and it messed everything up. It so we had good. to re-record because we have to post today. Um, so thank you for Happy bearing with us. Friday. It was a little bit of a frustrating beginning, but I think we recovered. Also, lots of uh, coffee was consumed. Co- coffee was consumed in abundance. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for joining us. If you want more Cover B, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can uh, enjoy all of the Marvel, Sony, Spider-Man memes that I have been posting, and that's how I've. Um, You can also follow me and Chris on Instagram. As I said earlier, he posts adorable pictures of all of our cats. I haven't in a while, but I'll make sure. Do it today. I think I I might be going to a zoo this weekend that has, like, leopards. (gasps) Kitties. So I'll have new kitties. Oh, my God, kitties. Or you can follow me. I post cosplay or whatever. It's fine. Um, That's me. Okay, I'm so cute. (laughs) Whatever. Don't be hating. She thinks I'm cute. Uh, but yeah, so stay tuned. Come back next week. We promise to have another one next week. Because if we had one this week, we're definitely going to have one next week. (laughs) We're dedicated now. (laughs) We have committed. It's happening. Uh, Enjoy your weekend. Take some time this weekend to focus on you. Uh, I feel like too often people tend to focus on other people or their obligations and work and hobbies and chores and things like that take you know six hours this weekend and just focus on you just lounge just get out of the house whatever it is that your body needs right at that moment just do it everything else you can um, and otherwise self-love self-love otherwise thank you for listening we hope to see you next week on another episode of cover, of B. cover B. bye guys <laughs> <laughs>